Did you know 663 million people live without clean drinking water every day? That's nearly one in 10. Let me tell you about my friends at FNX. FNX can solve all your health, nutrition, and supplement needs because they are first class in making their products so you can be at your best. Whether you're a CrossFit freak, bodybuilder, or just mom and dad making it a point twice per week, FNX will elevate your game. I have been using FNX and I feel and see the difference. The protein, delicious. My workouts, way more intense. And my energy, there all day. Try it for yourself. Visit fnxfit.com. Use code 4C15. That's 4C15 for 15% off each order. What's more, every time you make a purchase, a child in need receives one gallon of clean drinking water. FNX has donated over 100,000 gallons of clean drinking water. Make your mark today. What is going on, everybody? Pete Forsey, the podcast, coming back at you here on a Thursday evening. It's the month of November, and I'm watching Thursday Night Football. I'm watching one of the greatest competitors out there, Philip Rivers, and I'm logging on to Twitter, which I've been on there less, mainly because of the election, and we all know what goes on there. And maybe you're into that sort of thing. You know, maybe you're interested in following a lot, maybe not at all. Maybe you're just an observer, much like me. And that's fine. It's there to post your opinions. And then, you know, that's what I do. But then I get, you know, it's getting back to just the football stuff. And then I see Dan Orlovsky talking about um, Arthur Jones, offensive coordinator for the Titans, being a head coaching candidate. Like, you know, telling fans to watch the game. Watching, telling Jets fans to watch the game because he might be on the short list of, of head coaching candidates, and it's just like, what, huh? Because the guy ha- ha- has had a successful year of calling plays. Like it's always after a half of season or a full season, if you call plays, if the offense is in the top ten, then you, you're the next, you're the next head coaching candidate. Rap Sheet's going to be on you, Schefter's going to be on you, Pelissero's going to be on you, or whoever is your favorite network's reporter. Jason LaConfora, CBS, it's just amazing. And, you know, it basically that and Philip Rivers, it brought out me wanting to say something. So for for anyone who's listening to this, all 12 of you, I, I got I got some thoughts. Because it's been a while since we we fired up the uh, the software here, and uh, we we got back in the lab, as they all like to call it, and you know we, we got some takes. And as always, it's gonna be hot ones only. If you can't take it, then you know that's okay. You can, you can hit pause now, or you can swipe up now on your phone. But uh, we got some heat. Namely, it's going to be Yadier Molina. And his tenure needs to come to a close as a St. Louis Cardinal. And and I'm not shy about saying that. For some reason, people don't want to see a non-happy ending. It's not going to be a sad one. But for whatever reason, they just want it to, to, to end well. And, you know, not everyone's Derek Jeter. Okay? Tom, Tom Brady wasn't even Derek Jeter. 
He's got a second act. Yadier Molina, he deserves one. Probably on a one-year deal. He wants to. I'm going to tell you why he does not deserve it and why it should not be in St. Louis. Tony La Russa, White Sox. He's back in the dugout. It's come with some polarization. Uh, got pulled over, busted for his second DUI. At least that's the accusation. It's not finalized. We should be fair to that. The Mets have a new owner. Looks like he's going to be pretty liberal in his spending. He's got deep pockets, $15 billion net worth. We're going to talk about them and their viability. It's definitely skyrocketing, especially here in 2020. The NFL in the 2020 season, dare I say it's kind of like normal? Typically, it's abnormal. You got all these stories. You got good teams that were supposed to be bad, bad teams that are now suddenly good. It's kind of, in my opinion, shaken out how I thought with maybe like a couple exceptions. But first off, we got to kick it to the MLB Awards. That was all announced this week and started, I believe, late last week. Let's get to it. We're back at it. It's the podcast. Pete Forsey, thanks for listening. One thing I think we're going to do um, just with every podcast, because I'm doing this on a Thursday, like I mentioned, is I'm going to have um, a, a beer during every podcast. I got one right now. It's the Christmas edition. It was at Costco. I just fired up my membership. You just you, you love going to Costco. No one likes going shopping for anything else, I don't think. But when you go to Costco, it's because you know you like it. You know that you like it and you're getting a lot of it. And you're just like, yeah, sure, let's do it. And, you know, one of those things. So I'm um, I'm going to my PM job here at the podcast. It's been a while. I've, I've been telling the people that, you know, pay for this thing. I go, if you gave me more money, if you gave me more resources, I would do it more often. So I'm, I'm in a bit of a tug of war with them, um, but I said, you know what, I'll, I'll, I'll oblige for tonight because, uh, one, I'm feeling motivated. I'm feeling um, generous. So we're, we're going to talk about the MLB awards, and the first one that came out was Kyle Lewis and Devin Williams, Rookie of the Year. I think both these guys. Kyle Lewis, first-round pick, had a great year from the beginning. He obviously is going to be a high-level center fielder, for some time, and now the Mariners might be on the come up maybe next year, probably not 2021, but Devin Williams, the guy is striking out half the league, over half the league, actually. Guys from St. Louis, I believe it's from North County, I forget which high school for all the St. Louis listeners, but the guy is legit. Unfortunately, I think it's another sad case of where the Brewers, like they did with Josh Hader, you could start him. He, he could be a starting pitcher. Stop using him out of the bullpen. That like the Brewers think they're the Rays. David Stearns, he's from Houston, so it's not exactly you know the same organization. But they want to operate as if they're like a teeny tiny market. They're more mid sized than small, and they try to do this like matchup bullshit. Craig Council is pretty good. He's a good manager, but he's not Kevin Cash, and they don't have the brain trust that all these other teams do. They, they try to, you know, outthink the room sometimes, and it's just like, no, let your best players play. Let Josh Hader pitch more. Let Devin Williams pitch more. Brandon Woodruff, he's like the only guy you're letting to do. Let him pitch a lot. And then they do all this platoon stuff. They try doing it with Domingo Santana. Rookie of the year, Devin Williams, well-deserved. Kyle Lewis, also an excellent player. I liked him when they drafted him in 2016. Seattle's going to be, uh, they'll be good in here in a couple of years. Manager of the year. This is one of the few years. One of the few years they got it right. Usually it's just the overachiever award, and, and it drives me nuts. It drives me nuts. And it's in each sport. This is one of the few things where you can go, 
sport to sport, and things are actually parallel. Manager of the year, coach of the year, it's just about this team sucked, so this manager gets the credit. Like, who's voting on this? Okay? Again, I'll get to the winners this year in a minute. This year, they got it right. But in the past, it's not about that. It's who does the best job given the circumstances. It doesn't mean, oh, automatically injuries. So, you know, if this team won games, uh, that means, you know, yeah, that means they're the best. No, it's like who does the best job, man? You actually have to watch the games to know, okay? You, you, you do have to watch the tape. It's not just a record-based thing. MLB Marlins, when you're factoring in the coronavirus pandemic, when you're factoring in that they're not really, they have talent, but it's not that good. When you get, you know, contributors like Jesus Aguilar, Jorge Alfaro, uh, Pablo Lopez, like these guys are not, they're good, but they're not talented. That tells me when you watch them play, when they're playing hard, when they play close games, they, they, they didn't get blown out all that much this year in Miami. And granted, okay, 60 games, 500 team. Yeah, Madden Lee gets it, okay? This isn't a 500 team over the course of 162. I didn't even think they'd be a 500 team the first third of the season, which is essentially what this year was. Good job, Madden Lee. I give it to them. The other one, Kevin Cash. I said that how the Brewers are not the Rays. Well, the Rays are the Rays. Cash is their manager. Just excellent job. Oh, my gosh. I, I've said it probably for a couple of years now. He's been an underrated manager. He is actually a really, really good manager. Because the Rays made it to the World Series now, I think people are seeing that. Just the he he rolled out he rolled out an entire left-handed lineup. I think it may have been just as a joke, but even just to have the guts to do it, he was one of the first ones to say, "Yeah, we're we're going to throw a guy for one inning. Then he's coming out. Then he's out. Yeah. Then then we're going to have the real starter come in in the second. He'll pitch till the seventh. And you know, part of it is okay. We're in Tampa Bay." I don't have reporters. I don't have 45 of them in my face like, you know, Joe Girardi does or Aaron Boone does in New York. So, you know, he can make those decisions and maybe it's not that big of a deal, especially because Tampa Bay, respectfully, you don't really have fans. Okay, yeah, you watch it on TV, but the majority of them are, you know, what do they call them? Snowbirds from New York. Everybody that I've met in Tampa Bay. I visit there. I vacation a couple times. Everyone says they're from New York. They're all Yankee fans. Now, they watch it on TV. They don't go to the games. Therefore, there's just less pressure. Cash can do those things, but still, it takes guts. It takes guts. You got people on national outlets still covering the Rays, and it's this opener stuff. It's this, we're carrying 15 pitchers. We got guys like Pete Fairbanks. Pete, Pete, we need you on the pod, man. Need you on the pod. I'm calling you here out. I'm not calling you out, but I want you on the pod publicly. Let's get you on. Let, let's talk some Kevin Cash. He deserves it. We'll move on to Cy Young. Not really much to say here. Bieber, Bauer, they deserve both their hardware. Bauer's going to be a free agent. Obviously, any team should want him. If you want to take on what he brings off the field, it's not like, I don't think it's that big of a deal. He doesn't air out anything in the clubhouse on his Twitter account or on his podcast or whatever. He does call out the commissioner. That's not exactly the worst thing because the commissioner's not going to come down hard on a team that, you know, Trevor Bowers on. He works for that owner. So, you know, player calling out the commissioner, it's not always the best look, but the NFL, you know, the NFL does a lot. So if one guy does it, it will be not, not really a big deal if you want to sign that guy. 
because one, he's a really good pitcher. He should probably get like a five-year deal. Should not scratch the surface of Garrett Cole, but you know, he definitely a great pitcher. And then Bieber, yeah, just you know, tremendous curveball. It's unhittable, unhittable. Sixty games season. I think that came out to basically ten starts. Yeah, he deserves it. And then MVP. This was kind of on both sides, if you ask me. This was just kind of the, you know. When it's all said and done, these two careers, they're going to look really good. If they don't have an MVP award, that's going to be sad. So during this pandemic season, let's give it to them. And that's that's Jose Abreu. Frankly, I think there were better seasons out there. Freddie Freeman, totally deserving in past years. He's been on losing teams. If you want to get, like, I, I, I'm totally fine with this. If you guys want to do this, I don't care. The season was very unenjoyable for me until about second round of the playoffs. That's when I actually started caring. This was the award where it's just like, okay, they'll have it. They're done. They got their awards. Abreu, very good player. Played on some bad White Sox teams. Freddie Freeman, same deal. That's going to be a bow on this season. I can't even believe to tell you. I can't even begin to tell you, I mean, how happy I am 2020 MLB season is over. It was not fun. It's not enjoyable. Let's turn the page. Let's get to 2021. We got hot stove season now. Yadier Molina, free agent for the first time in his career. Everybody wants a happy ending with sports. For whatever reason, fans, I get it, even executives get tied to franchise icons. They don't want to be the guy that does it. They don't want to make the tough move. I understand they might get fired, but if it goes against your gut instinct, why are you doing it? Like, this is your job. You say, well, it might get me fired. Well, you may not overcome that. The fact that you don't want to do it so badly probably is a sign that you shouldn't do that. I do not think John Mazalock wants to resign Yadier Molina. It, we are just so far past this idea that his intangibles, how he controls the pitchers, it, it guys, it, it, it's good. Don't get me wrong. It's good. But he has become a liability in a lot of ways, namely his defense. The fundamentals, no one wants to harp on him on the fundamentals. The stuff that he did in 2015, 2016, one knee down, backhanding balls in the dirt. It's not flying anymore. Okay? Like, when, when he misses, you used to be like, oh, it's it's okay. Like, I mean, it's or Molina. Brings a lot of other things to the table. Well, guess what? Now he doesn't hit. Okay? Guess what? Now, every time there's a ball in the ground, it's a double play if there's a man on base. It's time to move on. He's 38. He wants a two-year deal. Really? He doesn't want to be a St. Louis Cardinal. I'm sorry. If he wanted to be a St. Louis Cardinal, he would not be demanding a two-year deal. Him and his agent want to be demanding that. It's pretty simple. When you sit down at the negotiating table, they say two-year deal. If I'm the executive, I, I would laugh and say, no. I mean, what? Are you kidding me? He's 38. He didn't hit this year. He, he actually did not hit this year. Okay, do I have to pull the numbers? Usually I don't pull the numbers. That's something you can get yourself. Yadier Molina does not deserve to have a two-year deal. Now, does he deserve to play somewhere? Yeah. But with the Cardinals, it's a situation where they get no power out of their lineup. Yadier Molina is harping them. One thing that's never talked about is how he basically has to bat anywhere between 5th, 6th, or 7th. He has to. If you're going to catch him, he's got to bat somewhere in there because if he bats eighth, he basically, it's going to be two automatic outs. He cannot bunt 
that's going to be a double play if you were to move a runner into scoring position. Well, then the pitcher's up next. Now, I understand the DH is coming, so that does throw a different bit of a factor in here. It may not be coming, though. In addition, you can't bat him anywhere higher because he doesn't hit home runs. That's what you want for the third spot, so you can get up one nothing in the first inning. Batting second, again, you can move the runner over, but once he's on base, how does he get into scoring position? That's what you want out of the, the number two batter. This is what I'm talking about, man. He harps, he he hinders the lineup. And he doesn't hit. It, this isn't Yadier Moline of 2012. He, I mean, he dropped, what, 20 bombs? I think he batted over 300. I mean, come on. It's, it's time to move on. I like him. Thank you for your service. But now it's time to go. You can go play for the race. You can win a championship. They'll take you as a one-year rental. You'll have great arms to, to throw to, or to catch, rather. Fairbanks will throw to you. That'll be neat for him. You'll teach him how to pitch happily ever after. It just won't be in St. Louis. Time to move on. Kind of just now realizing I've had the uh, Titans-Colts game not muted in the background. And uh, it's about the second half's about to end. And it's uh, 17-10 Titans. If you're looking at Pete's picks, I had 30-17 to Titans. So the Titans basically got to get shut out here. In the second half, Colts defense are pretty good. Good at stopping the run. Pass defense, eh, a little suspect. So we'll, we'll see if they can shut down Tannehill, who can basically only throw off play action. But, yeah, I got that game going. So if you heard that, um, maybe you heard Troy and jo- Joe uh, on, on Fox slash NFL Network here. But, you know, we're going to keep it on baseball because Tony La Russa is back in the dugout. All the Cardinals fans, I think, definitely have a – Soft spot for Tony. They also have some things that they can look past. Like he's always kind of been a little condescending. He does have a law degree. That's one thing that I'm not going to say you forget, but you always got to keep in mind with Tony is that he's extremely well-read. He's extremely smart, but he does come off to be kind of, you know, a little bit prickly. Um, and, and I'm not going to say a know-it-all, but, you know, he, he definitely likes to know and, and tell people how smart he is. And, He's going to be managing a team that's full of Latin American players who are all young, much younger than he is. And it is a fair question, like, is this going to work in Chicago? Jerry Reinsdorf fired him, or his family fired him back in the 80s. They brought him back. But this is a situation where you're going to have to monitor it closely. And it's going to be on Tony. Like, are you going to adapt are you going to be okay with guys not doing what you would do, but as long as they play hard? Because I think that's what it's going to come down to. Is like, are you going to play hard every inning? Play a hard nine. That's always been his thing. Play a hard nine. I remember watching the game in the World Series. He was on John Jay about a misthrown ball. He's going to harp on fundamentals. He's going to harp on throwing to the correct bases. He's going to harp on base running. All things that you know, guys like Joe Madden. He's a great manager. But he does defend guys publicly about that. Where Tony LaRusso, he's not going to say that. Like, if Tim Anderson doesn't move up a base, if Aloy Jimenez throws to a wrong base, if he, you know, doesn't position himself correctly, like Tony LaRusso famously said his most proud moment of managing before he was elected into the Hall of Fame I never missed a pitch. And, you know, th- this was during a, a live broadcast and, you know, game a few years ago. He's, He's a special advisor to the Red Sox or Angels at the time. 
in the broadcast, the live broadcast of that baseball game, they asked, well, Tony, what do you mean by that? You didn't miss a pitch. He goes, I never missed a pitch during the game while I was managing. Meaning he saw every pitch. Never did he have his head down talking to his pitching coach. Never did he go talk to a player about whatever, maybe something game-related. When the game was live, he never missed a pitch. That's intense. That's why him and Albert Pools got along so much. Him and Albert were on that same level of seriousness. I won't get into it, but I, I mean, I got sources that said like him and Roland, they didn't like each other. Roland was more of the, you know, laid back style. Let's play ball. He can, you know, he liked his time probably with the Reds a little bit more than St. Louis, but Pools, Tony, Larusa, I mean, they were on the same page. So, I mean, Tony's not going to turn that off. He's going to love guys like Jose Abreu. And I don't think he's going to hate Tim Anderson necessarily, but it's going to be this deal where if you're not playing hard or if you're, you know, flipping bats or being flamboyant or doing anything ostentatious, but, you know, you're not playing well or you let up just a little bit, he's going to let you know. And then, you know, as opposed to 2011, I mean, 2011 isn't dinosaurs, but it's like, is Tim Anderson going to go to Twitter? Is he going to, you know, do a subtweet? And let him know, let Tony know, that is, that he does, doesn't does like, that he doesn't appreciate his bat flips or that he's trying to grow the game. That's what they. That's what all the guys say, trying to make baseball fun again. Well, you know what? If you're not playing well, they're probably going to let you know about it, that you look like a complete ass, basically, that you look like an idiot. And then the other thing is that you got people condemning this hire because, you know, he got busted for DUI, which again, very serious thing. But it's so funny. And I understand this is Ken Rosenthal. He wrote this on The Athletic, National Reporter. You probably read him. People read that site. But then Alden Smith goes to the NFL and all you can hear Fox talk about, who also carries baseball, is what a story. What a comeback. Got his life together back on the national stage, doing it good for himself i mean it's just like what hold on i mean did tony la Russa, is he held to a higher standard i don't think so no i mean why because he's the manager players aren't held to the same standard how come everyone's adults here everyone should have to you know observe those rules observe those laws why is it that because he got again Busted for a second DUI. Now he's condemned this, you know, denouncing this hire by the White Sox. But then Alden Smith comes back, gets his life together. I mean, it's just, I I don't understand. I think Tony, you know, I'm ready to say, I think Tony comes out, not on a vengeance, but just one of those things like, you know what, guess what? Yeah, I am going to lead this club. And I am going to relate to players. And I'm going to have that clubhouse. And we're going to win games. We're going to take the next step. White Sox, I mean, they weren't a, you know, wasn't a grease fire. Okay, Renneria did a good job, but Reinsdorf is saying, I want this guy, I, you know, for whatever his may reasons be, he's having Tony take it to the next level. I think I'm ready to say, Tony gets it done. I think Tony does it. He's a competitive SOB. I think the White Sox next year, I think they take the Central. You have likely been affected by the 2020 pandemic. One way or another, emotionally, mentally, financially, uh, logistically, just day-to-day quality of life, you've probably been affected. Um, I think you're very few. If you're one of the few out there that has not been affected by this, um, you've come away unscathed and, you know, good for you. 
more and more as I watch this season, I think the NFL, and this could change, where where people have not completed their bye weeks yet, so we haven't gotten into that. I have been shockingly surprised we have not had to deal with just a COVID outbreak amongst the team. Now the Titans happened, you know, they, they have protocols in place to where they continue playing, but I really thought that was going to take down one team or another that maybe was really good and they were going to have to cancel games, postpone games. Really, they've just rescheduled it. They've swapped buys. Teams have been flexible on that. And so far, so good. But the odd thing is that all the good teams that I thought were going to be good have been. Usually, there's a sleeper. This team's bad. Turned out to be good. This team's an absolute disaster. Maybe there's one one exception in there. Excuse me. San Francisco 49ers, they've just been decimated by injuries. Just way too many to put a successful team on the field. No way. There are some times when you can say when injuries happen, the quarterback has got to pick it up. The coach has got to pick it up. That's why you're paid the big bucks. Not in San Francisco. It's way too many. They had their defensive ends go down in week two, I believe. Both of them (laughs) torn ACLs. Jimmy G has missed games. I remember watching that Thursday night game last week. It's like they literally all their skills players are out. It's just too much. It's done. It's over. Atlanta, that happened to t- them too a couple of years ago. Done. It's over. But other than that, every team, dare I say, maybe outside of, um, I- I'm not even going to include Dallas in there. Like, I mean, they before Dak Prescott got hurt, I mean, they just were not a good team. They're not playing well on defense. Their star player, Zeke, he's not playing like a star. Tyron Smith, yeah, he's injured. Uh, who else? Amari Cooper, that guy. I mean, that guy's paid big bucks. He does not play like a star. They're not a good team. Mike McCarthy, been pretty underwhelming as a coach. I'm not going to say he's a bad coach. I'm not going to say he hasn't been dealt a tough hand, but he hasn't exactly, you know, shown a vote of confidence quite yet. Other than that, you know, I look at the Saints. I know there were some early season whirlings about are they a good team? I have never been the biggest Lamar Jackson guy. I think he is a good NFL player. I don't think he plays the position of quarterback necessarily, unless we are redefining quarterback. Note, I'm not saying revolutionizing the position. I don't really believe in that in that in that term necessarily. But yeah, this 2020 season, I, it's not boring by any means, but it's been pretty uneventful. Hasn't been that many stories. One, I think it's due to COVID. Two, you know, I, I think it goes hand in hand with COVID. Really, when you think about it, there's no off-season drama because guys aren't going out. Really, I thought they were, but guys really haven't been going out. Nobody's been busted for this. No one said this off a whim. No one's out publicly doing this and that because they're not seeing face to face. It's just kind of like one of those deals where, yeah, everybody's hunkered down. They seem to be complying with the. Uh, with the protocols for the most part and and everyone's just kind of playing ball. And you know, when you get that where the quarterbacks basically, I'm not going to say they have a practice setting, but I'm looking at that Titans game right now on the stands, like they're, they're a quarter full. You can check into the right place. And then really it's just like my best first year best. It's kind of what we want. I'm I'm by no means am I saying this is what we need to do, but if you really want to see who is the better team, take the fans out. Take the fans out. The conditions will be perfect. The coaches pretty much will act like no one's there, like it's a practice setting, except there's officials on the field. And then you'll see who the best team is. 
And right now I'm looking at the five and three Colts through eight games. Yeah, I would say they're five and three Titans. I don't think they're that good of a team. Am I surprised they're six and two? No, I'm not this entire season. I'm not going to call it boring, but we haven't gotten to the events yet. Maybe that changes as we go through COVID. But what I've been shockingly surprised at COVID has not been a factor. Injuries really have not been a factor for that many teams. I'm not saying guys and teams aren't dealing with injuries. Patriots certainly are. But the Patriots are about where I expected. I think they're going to make the playoffs. You got seven seeds this year on each side. I think they're going to make the playoffs. But if you told me that they you know, were going to be 2-5 and five right now, I mean, I wouldn't be shocked. I wouldn't be shocked. They, they signed Cam Newton to $500,000. Why? Because he's... That, that's pretty much what he deserved. He was coming off an injury. Week one, it was hilarious. If Cam Newton keeps playing like this, he's an MVP candidate. Yeah, if any one of the talented players plays up to their full potential every week, they're going to be an MVP candidate. It was the dumbest freaking thing I ever heard. They wanted to give him an extension. I'm sorry, Cam getting an extension? Let's let him play 16 games for once. NFL is running its course with Cam. The season seems to be running its course. I'm just looking for something that I didn't see coming. So far, haven't seen it in the NFL season. New York Mets have a new owner. It's Steve Cohen. $15 billion. $15 billion net worth. And they have an owner who I guess is... I, I mean, I don't know much about him. It's not like I follow this area of, of the world and uh, politics and whatnot, or business world. But apparently he's, you know, he he's in this, seems genuine based off the news conference, I watched that the other day, that he really is treating this more hobby than business. Now, he's putting business effort into it, but he's treating it like it's a hobby. He's a fan as he says it. And I think it's going to be fun. I mean, if that's going to be the case, they got an owner that legitimately is going to want to have a high payroll, act like a high-market team, Operate like a high-market team. Um, and it's going to be good because the Wilpons, you know, it's one of those teams where they, they, they're meddling in the background, not letting teams trade X player or treating players X way. You saw Noah Syndergaard. He tweeted it out. All I hope is that the owner treats us like human beings and not like assets. It's just like, gosh, maybe there's more going on in flushing than we ever realized. The New York Mets, which I got to get Rick Meinhold on the podcast here, former pitching coach. He is a rising star in the Mets organization. I think it's like he, he's got a new title. It's like pitching game coordinator hired by uh, Brody Van Wagenen. Um, now the, the former GM, he was agent turned GM, but he's still with the organization. And you got Sandy Alderson running the president of baseball ops position um he's still with him we, we, we should get him on the podcast see uh after a few months what he thinks of the ownership and how they're running things and how it's changed so ricky if you're listening we should have you on but i i definitely think it's a situation where they can take advantage of this pool where teams are cutting costs and then you have the richest owner of sports or at least in major league baseball he is now the richest owner of major league baseball where he can spend on JT Romulto. He can spend on George Springer. He can trade for Francisco Lindor. And they're, you know, that that would be spending a lot. That would be trading a lot. But they got the wherewithal to do it. 
There is no salary cap in Major League Baseball. This is not the NFL. He's got $15 billion net worth to put towards this. I'm not going to say they're going to match the Yankees, but, I mean, they, they can compete with them. And, you know, it, it is a breath of fresh air. One reason I wanted to talk about this is that if he is going to treat this more of like a hobby, less about, you know, running a business and cash flow to his other business ventures, if he just really is like this Mets fan who wants to see the Mets win World Series, that's great. You know, one thing that I've always said, and maybe because I've said in the past or act in this way, it's why I'm not on, you know, another podcast. I had a chance to join this other podcast network, seemed to be going in the right direction for whatever reason. I would have to think it's for comments like these. It didn't happen. But it's that Bill DeWitt of the St. Louis Cardinals. He clearly treats it like a business. When you have a guy say he when you have a guy say he does not believe in windows that he does not believe in $200 million payrolls. When he says baseball is not profitable, that latter one being the most recent, he is announcing to me, as a consumer, he does have limits. He's not going to spend all that much. He has limits to where, oh, we just need to compete. We just need to be in contention. The ball tickets, the ticket gates, the turnstiles, keep them coming in, keep people watching on TV, will be good, we'll still be making profit. I got these other businesses funnel cash over. It's not about world championships. It's not about competing. And I don't, you know, that's why I give Mazalak a lot of the break. People say, oh, he's traded away this guy. He's done this. I'm saying, no, man, like, yeah, not, not that I agree with all his decisions, but it's hard for me to differentiate between that and the fact that he's got an owner that's clearly saying you can only spend so much money. It's a very hard thing for me to do. So I don't think he's, you know, all of a sudden turned into a bad baseball guy, but the owner isn't necessarily saying, I want a world championship. I want a world championship. That's what I heard out of Steve Cohen. He said, I want to win a world series. If I don't win a world series within five years, that's going to be a disappointment. He kept saying how this is a hobby, how this is supposed to be fun. Bill DeWitt, I mean, he's not a bad owner. That's not what I'm trying to say necessarily, but keeps telling me about the business side of things. Let's just put it that way. And, you know, breath of fresh air from the Mets. I'd, you know, love to hear more in depth about how it goes as we move along here. Um, so let's just keep our ears on that. Mets ownership, they got a new one. They're going to be competing much, much more in the National League. Okay, well, this has been a good podcast, a good couple beers, a good episode overall. Good to be back. I do need to tell you we have expanded Amazon Music, we are now on there. Google Play, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, of course, been there. Subscribe, review, that's the important part. I have not been pushing subscribe and review hard enough, specifically the latter. You leave a review, I will mention it here on the show. I'll shout you out. I'll tell a little something special about you, why I like you. If I don't know you, well, I'll find something either way. But I do need your questions. I need you to hit up the text line, the call line. You can leave a voicemail. I'll play it right here on the show per your request. If not, I will respond to it nonetheless. It's 816-226-7483. Need your questions, need your comments, need your concerns. 816-226-7483. I appreciate everyone listening. We will see you next time. Stay safe. Stay happy, test negative, but stay positive.